This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morris, and this week we're taking an in-depth look at the women's lacrosse program. They are off to a 1-0 start and host Wesleyan this Saturday at noon. We'll recap the baseball team's successful California trip, and we'll talk to our Bobcats of the week, Andrew Melvin of the men's lacrosse team, and Nordic Skeens, Sadie James. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The women's tennis program got the week started on a positive note, winning their season opener 6-3 over Whittier on Tuesday. Although they would drop a match to number four Claremont later in the week, the Bobcats head into March full of optimism for the young season. Junior Elizabeth Urbafino won at number one doubles and number two singles on Tuesday. She joined the Bobcats to talk women's tennis with Bates' home opener set for this Sunday at one o'clock against Colby Sawyer. I think the California trip for us is always a great opportunity to just really practice for a week, um, both train on and off the court, and also work with Dr. Jerry Lynch on the mental game. I think the girls just competed really well overall, especially against Whittier, which is always a tough opponent. And then obviously CMS is one of the best teams in the country, so we really were able to compete well against them too. Now you play at number one doubles with first year Bella Stone, so obviously a new doubles partner for you this year. What's that been like? Bella and I actually know each other from home. Um, we grew up playing at the same tennis clubs and sharing some of the same coaches, so it's a really comfortable doubles pairing. Uh, she's an amazing player with such great potential, so I'm so happy that she chose Beats. And then obviously the home opener coming up on Sunday. You have a game, you have a match before that, but um, if fans want to come out to the home opener, what should they know? What should they be prepared for to see? Yeah, we're really excited for our home opener against Colby Sawyer on Sunday. Um, we've never faced them in my two past years here, so I think they're a great team, and we're just looking forward to playing some of our best tennis and just focusing on the things that we can focus on. And then tennis is sort of in the same situation as a few other sports where you have the same head coach for the men's team and the women's team. So what's that dynamic like? Yeah, Paul Gastongay is a great coach for us. I think one of the best parts of sharing a coach is being very close to the boys' team. Um, I think the last week in California, the two teams bonded really well together, and it's just fun to have them supporting us and vice versa. And then, you know, for you personally, what are some of your goals this year in terms of what you're looking to work on and whatnot? Yeah, I think just our my goal is one of the team's goals, just to compete at our highest level that we can and focus on some of the things that we work with and do with Dr. Jerry Lynch and just really focus on the process and be very mindful while we're on the court. Yeah, because that's, um, I know talking to Coach Gatsengay about that, about Dr. Lynch, it's very much of a mental game in terms of psychology and whatnot. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, um, this year where our keyword for the team is mindful, just being very conscious and aware, point-by-point -point mentality, and really just focusing on the small things and hoping that uh, better results will come ahead. I know you're playing outdoors in California, playing indoors back here. What's the difference for you? Which do you prefer? Um, I think playing outdoors in California just takes like a day or two to get used to. Uh, both indoors and outdoors are great playing. Obviously the weather is awesome and the atmosphere, but the atmosphere in Merrill is great as well. All right, sounds good, Elizabeth. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Sticking with tennis, the 21st ranked men's tennis team opened at number four Pomona Pitzer on Wednesday. Bates lost 6-3, to three, but they did win two of the three doubles matches, including at number one doubles with Chris Ellis and Ben Rosen winning 8-6. to six. The success at doubles continued on Saturday 
with Bates winning two of three doubles matches in a close 5-4 loss to number 15 Redlands. Ellison Rosen won again at number one doubles, and both won in singles as well. We caught up with Ellis to talk men's tennis. Their home opener is this Friday at 4 o'clock against Babson. First of all, Chris, I know last year you went to nationals um, in doubles, and what was that experience like for you, first of all? Uh, it was a really cool experience. It was a unique one. Uh, we played on, like, a, a – it was at the place of a pro tournament. So it was uh, – there's a pro tournament there, uh, a really big one. And so, you know, we're playing on a stadium court that's, you know, 50,000, you know, seats, but no one's there. <laughs> it was a very interesting experience. It was, it was definitely uh, nervous, but it was fun, and hopefully this year we'll get the Nationals too. And then you have a new doubles partner this year, Ben Rosen. What's that been like? Uh, ben Rosen is a great guy. He's actually very similar to Pierre. They both have really big ground strokes. And I'm more of a loud guy. He's more of a shy guy. So we definitely complement each other pretty well. And he's just a great guy. So now the season so far, obviously some tough competition out there in California. How does it prepare you for the NESCAC play? Uh, when we California, I think we played the number one team in the country, four team, and the 17th team in the country. So, I mean, I think it prepares us pretty well. It's kind of tough going to California because the, uh, the transition from indoors to outdoors is, is very difficult. Uh, I wish we had the California teams here. You know, we, I, wish, I wish we got to play them here, but it's, it prepares us really well. What are you guys working on to prepare for this, uh, this weekend's home opener? Uh, we definitely need to work on making first serves. That's pretty key. Um, and... Uh, I don't know. We're actually we're, we're connecting pretty well. We played pretty well in California. Uh, I think it's just getting some getting some reps, playing a lot of matches, and we'll we'll mesh more and more as the season goes on. Now, from a singles perspective, I mean, yeah, I know you play the doubles match first, and then you transition to singles. So, how's that transition go for you? Like, what adjustments do you have to make when you're just out there by yourself? Yeah, it's challenging actually because in doubles you kind of it happened everything happens so fast. Number one, it's an eight game pro set, so it's it's up to eight games. Meaning that like in, in, in a singles match, it's two out of three sets. You play a set and then you have to like play like, another one over again. So doubles, it's all about how you start. It's about just having, just being pumped up, just having high energy. It's like a short like a short sprint. And then singles is more like a marathon. And so it's definitely a tough transition. I kind of have to like relax before singles because in doubles it's so like pumped up and singles you gotta relax more so it's definitely it's a tough t transition so now at home i know you can play outdoors if the weather's okay but if it's not you got to move indoors so when do you kind of know if you're going to do that or not uh most of the tennis is indoors the last yeah. two or three matches are outdoors uh -huh. but it's pretty much all indoors and that changes everything because it's usually the multi-surfaces and so like everything's so fast and quick and home court advantage is everything because the surface is all different each each place so uh yeah, home matches are just awesome i don't think we lost a home match in a while Gotcha, gotcha. And then, so when fans come to a home match, what can they expect to see? Uh, <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll see a lot of noise, a lot of action. Uh, we definitely get fired up. I, I think it's very entertaining. Nice, nice. Now, you wish you played the number one team. That was Claremont, right? Yeah. I mean, what makes them so good, I guess? Well, they have, like, 15 players that can play one. <laughs> okay. the, guy, the guy who won, there's an ITA, which is, like, the biggest tournament in the West. Yeah. The guy who won it played seven singles for them last year. He won it and played seven singles, and they all could win it. It's like it's so it's just, I mean, it's just they're just a ridiculous team who has they just have so much talent. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, what are some of your goals this year uh, moving forward? Uh, go, well, first team goal is to make Nescacs. Uh, we got so six teams make Nescacs, and we were seven last year and this year, 
and we were actually like number two in the NESCAC, and then we lost three straight matches, went to seven. So my team goal is to make NESCACs. Um, and then individual goal is to make nationals and doubles and singles. Um, it's very possible, and, it's, and I'd like to have a shot at it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Chris, thanks so much for your time. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. The baseball team dropped their season opener on Wednesday to Pomona Pitzer 7-5, but not before putting a scare into the Sage Hens with a five-run eighth inning. They bounced back to defeat Whittier 9-4 on Thursday before falling to Lewis and Clark by a score of 8-2 on Friday. Then they played a doubleheader on Saturday and won both games, knocking off Whittier 8-5 and topping Lewis and Clark 8-4. The new-look Bates offense is averaging 6.4 runs per game in their 3-2 start to the season. We caught up with junior co-captain Ryan McCarthy, who posted a 440 on base percentage, batting the leadoff spot during their trip to California. Ryan, a 3-2 and two California trip for you guys. First of all, your overall impressions of the trip for the baseball team first five games of the year. Uh, it was definitely very exciting. We have, you know, to get out there and play the first five games. There's a lot of guys with a lot of talent on this team this year, and it was good to see everyone in their uniforms on the field, you know, doing what they do best with the pitching staff, you know, doing their job and the hitters getting the job done on uh, their part too. So it was a lot of fun to be out there this week. Yeah, the offense, obviously a new-look offense this year. A lot of guys from last year's team graduated. I know uh, talking to C Coach Leonard, talking about how you guys were going to play probably a little bit more small ball, and we, and we saw this. First of all, 12 steals, only got caught three times. Just as many walks as strikeouts. A high team on base percentage. Is this exactly going by game plan, basically? Yeah, no, that's definitely going by design. I mean, there's a lot of athletes on the team this year, and everyone's put in a lot of hard work in the offseason to, you know, be faster, be stronger. So when we go on the base pass, we want to take bases. We want to, you know, put pressure on the defense and make them make mistakes and capitalize on those when we can. And then you had a multiple successful squeeze plays, multiple successful double steals with first and third to score some runs. How fun is that for an offense to, you know, just run wild on teams and, and manufacture runs like that? That's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, you're you're putting guys in positions to succeed, you know, at the plate and on the base paths where, you know, guys get to bunt down and that's manufacturing runs and any way you can get a run obviously is a big one. So when we can get runs, you know, just by keeping the ball in the infield, that's obviously a huge uh, boost for our offense when we can get it done. What's it like for you to hit lead off uh, for this team? I mean, that's uh, a position where you're trying to basically, you know, you're trying to set the table, right? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a position where OBP matters a lot more than the average does, and it's just a matter of getting on base and setting the tone for the inning where, you know, baseball is a big game of momentum. So, you know, I'm just trying to always get on base and try and do my job because, you know, as a leadoff guy, you got to try and be on base as much as you can. So, And then obviously I know that you guys work out together as a team over the offseason, but the coaches don't get a whole lot of time with you before the first game. Although I was talking with Connor Colombo, and he mentioned in the past there was almost no time at all, and this time you got a full week. What was that like? Uh, having the full week definitely made a big made a big difference going into the uh, first five games because you know last year we got we got right on the plane on day one and this week we, you know we got a whole week with Coach Leonard so it definitely makes a def it makes a difference especially uh, defensively where we can put in bump plays we can put in pick plays uh, it makes it definitely makes a big difference uh, when you get out there for the first week and then for this team I mean what would your be evaluation of some of the guys who are getting their first opportunities to really shine on offense. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of guys that have stepped up this year, you know, where we lost a lot of big hitters last year. We obviously had to fill some spots, and there's been freshmen, sophomores, guys from the top bottom, from the top of the roster to the bottom of the roster that have really just filled positions that we need. And uh, I'm really happy with the way everyone played last week. I think everyone did a great job and top to bottom. And then you as one of the team captains, what was some of your, me your messages maybe to some of the younger guys about, you know, stepping in this year? 
Uh, just, you know, definitely something you have to understand, whether you're a freshman or a senior, that, you know, you have 36 games with this group of 36 guys, and you got to make the most of it because after this year, you know, the team dynamic, the team image, everything, it changes next year. So, I mean, this year, you know, we got a lot of talent. I think that's something that, the, you know, we have to take advantage of, and we have to, you know, try and win as many games as possible because I think we can. I'm curious because obviously the NESCAC, uh, you're very familiar with the NESCAC, but then going to California playing teams like Whittier, Lewis and Clark, Pomona Pitzer, how'd you compare that level of competition to what you see in the NESCAC? I, you know, it depends on depends on the day and who they throw, but I mean, um, definitely Pomona Pitzer, that's definitely a team that's always in the top 25 every year, and that's a team that we want to be because we think that, you know, that's the type of team we are. And if you look at those top 25 rankings, you know, most times there is, you know, three or four teams from the NESCAC that make that rankings, and I think that we're one of those teams, and that's where we want to be. So if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. So, you know, we definitely enjoy playing those teams out there. You got some time to do some practices before you head to Florida up, coming up next. How much were you looking forward to go to Florida there? <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to get back in the sun again. Um, so definitely it's going to be a lot of fun. We play more teams that are, you know, top top teams that we think that, you know, we can compete with, and those are teams that we want to play down there. So it's definitely very exciting to get to do two trips this year. You guys got a pretty experienced pitching staff. I know uh, Sam Warren looks like he does, plays both ways, hits and pitches. What's that like to have a guy who does both? Uh, Sam's definitely a very good athlete, you know, having a guy like him on the team where he can hit, he can pitch. Uh, he's definitely an asset to have on a team where you can have him in the lineup as a pitcher or a hitter. So um, he's definitely someone that we value on the team and, you know, as well as, many, as well as all the other guys that are on this team. So it's, uh, it's good to have someone that can play both ways. What was maybe the biggest surprise, something that you weren't expecting that came away from this trip? It was a good trip, obviously, three and two. But what was something maybe that surprised you about the team or about the opponents or the atmosphere or whatever? Uh, I think this team's very resilient. I mean, we were down 7 nothing or – Seven off the Pomona, we came back in the eighth inning. You know, we scored five runs with two outs. So I mean, this team, you know, is definitely a lot of power on this team. Is like a lot of guys are not going to quit. You know, it's a tough team that we have this year. So you know, I like I like the resiliency that we saw and we showed uh, this past week playing in California. The NCAA diving regionals took place this past weekend, and junior all NESCAC diver Emma Jarzik finished 15th in the three meter final and 16th in the one meter final. Meanwhile, the Bates men's and women's track and field teams sent a select number of individuals to the Open New England Indoor Championships to compete against Division I teams and number Division II and III programs as well. First year Mark Fusco, sophomore Rob Flynn, sophomore Jack Kiley, and junior Patrick Griffin completed the 4x800 relay in 7 minutes 42.43 seconds, breaking the former team record of 7 minutes 43.91 seconds set in 2012. The women's team was led by sophomore Sally Cisse, who finished 7th in the triple jump out of 22 athletes. In alpine skiing, junior captain Kelsey Chenoweth finished a career-best ninth in the giant slalom this weekend, but our female Bobcat of the Week comes from Nordic skiing. Junior Sadie James of the women's Nordic skiing team entered this past weekend's Middlebury Carnival and NCAA Regionals on the fringe of making it to Nationals for the first time in her career. On Saturday, she led all Bates Nordic skiers in the women's 5K freestyle, finishing 14th overall and leading the Bobcats to a fifth-place finish. Then on Sunday, she did even better in the 15K classic mass start, coming in 12th place out of 68 competitors. Overall, the Bates Alpine and Nordic skiing teams finished 7th out of 16 programs in their final carnival of 2016. James' outstanding performance over the weekend means she is headed to nationals and she's our female Bobcat of the Week. Joined by our female Bobcat of the Week, Sadie James, an outstanding weekend for you at the NCAA Regionals or Middlebury Carnival, whatever you want to call it, great weekend. You finished top 15 both races. Um, I understand coming in, you knew there was a shot 
to go to nationals, but you didn't know what you had to do on purpose, right? Right, yeah. So I'm uh, somebody who does not perform well under stress and knowing that I have to score X points or I have to place an X position. Um, so my whole goal was just going into it as any other normal weekend of racing. Um, I wasn't thinking about it as I could be going to Colorado. Um, I was just thinking about it as Middlebury Carnival. Um, and that worked for me. <laughs> and when did you find out you probably going? Um, I found out, I, I kind of had this feeling when I finished 12th on Sunday, um, but I wasn't like getting my hopes up for anything. Um, and I dropped my skis off at the trailer and Becky and James were in there, both my coaches. Um, and they were both smiling and they just kind of started laughing and I kind of knew then. And then Becky came back with a printed out version of the points list and I was 14. So <laughs> I knew then. Yeah. We're recording this on a Monday. So it the official release hasn't come out right. from the NCAA or whatever, but pretty sure going yeah. to nationals. And so for the first time in, in your career, what does that mean for you? I mean, what are you most looking forward to it? Yeah. Um, you know, this was my goal for the whole year. Um, and I honestly didn't know if I was going to do it. So just the fact that I'm going to be able to go is just, I, it still hasn't hit me yet. Um, I'm still waiting for it to happen. Um, I was talking to um, my former captain who went to NCAAs four times. She graduated last year, Hallie Grossman. Um, and I was, I was asking her, I was like, when, when did it hit you that you were going your freshman year? And she said, it'll hit you when you like land and you see the mountains and you see the venue and you just soak everything up and you appreciate every second of it. Um, so I'm waiting until I step off a plane on Friday night in Denver. Um, and I have a feeling it'll probably hit me then. <laughs> have you ever been to Steamboat Springs before? I, no, this is, this is going to be my first time <laughs> racing at altitude, which I'm very nervous about. Um, I lived in Bozeman, Montana this summer, so I was training at altitude and I did an altitude camp. Um, my senior year of high school, but I have never raced at altitude, so it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, because you, you had the 5K, and then the next day you have a, a 15K, right? Yeah, so we fly. I believe we're flying in on a Friday, uh, this Friday, and then um, I don't race until Thursday, which is a 5K, and then Saturday, which is a 15K classic. So I'll have some days to acclimate, which I'm definitely going to be needing. Um, I don't think I'm going to adjust by then, but... Um, yeah, I luckily have that time to try and get used to being at 7,000 feet. <laughs> right, and then you think at a high altitude, this is obviously speculating, but you've trained at a high altitude. A 5K or a 15K is going to be more difficult because 5K, you're, it's a little bit, not a sprint per se, but you're you know going a little bit faster pace probably, but 15K is so long. Right, yeah, I, I haven't thought about that yet. Um, I, I just... I think the skate will be the 5k will be harder um i think they'll both be definitely very difficult and challenging in a new way that i've never experienced just because i've never raced at this level of competition um but my lungs i can guarantee you will be hurting <laughs> now this past weekend you were supposed to race friday and saturday but it rained all day on thursday so they had to put more snow in basically on friday so what was that day off that you weren't expecting basically like yeah um it was interesting so we found out on I think a Monday or a Tuesday. And so the way our, we've had a lot of Saturday, Sunday carnivals this year and our carnivals are usually Friday, Saturday. So the way it works is that if they're Friday, Saturday, we usually do intervals on Tuesday, a distance ski on Wednesday, travel on Thursday and ski on Thursday, race Friday, Saturday. But when it's Saturday, Sunday, everything's pushed back a day. So I'd already done intervals on Tuesday before I found out we were racing as had everybody on our team. So as our coach likes to say, we just had to adjust to it. Um, but it was, it was, um, it was actually really nice because my mom and I went over to Middlebury a day earlier. Um, and we went and watched the Alpine races, which was a lot of fun. Cause I hadn't been able to see um, any of my teammates on the Alpine side race. Um, 
And then, you know, honestly, Middlebury did such an incredible job with the snow. It was our second time all season racing on an actual like race loop and not a modified loop. So we had real climbs in it. We had real downhills in it. Um, it was just a real course. Um, and I'm amazed with what they did. So honestly, I'm really glad it was a Saturday, Sunday carnival because it was dumping rain on Thursday night. So you say a real course. Are the other courses you're on more like ad hoc, just like thrown together? Or how's that work? Yeah, it's just, it's a loop course. So we raced a lot of Craftsbury this year. So it was a lot of flat, um, which our team, we, we've trained to do hills this year. Um, so Middlebury has some very, very good climbs in it. Um, so yeah, all the other ones have been like pretty flat with a couple hills in them just because they're trying to stay on this man-made loop because that's all mother nature has allowed. So when you're in the middle of like a, a mass start, what's the difference between that and when it's not a mass start? Um, mass, I love 15K classic mass starts are my favorite race. Um, so this was the last one of my, well, I guess well, next week will be the last one of my, year, my collegiate career because it'll be skate next year. They alternate every two years. Um, but um, the thing I really like about them is that you know where you are during the race. Um, obviously, you can't count everybody, but your coaches are. Um, and it's just really, really fun being able to ski with people. So I skied with a Colby girl, Olivia Amber, um, for most, I would say, 12K of the 15K race. Um, and I trained with her this summer. So it was just kind of like a bit of a deja vu um, just because we kind of know how each other work. Um, and it's, it's just really fun to be able to ski with people from the other teams um, and kind of work together, push each other, have all the coaches yelling at you. Um, while with a 5K individual start like we had on Saturday, um, it's really you just have to hammer it. Um, you have to get around that course as quickly as you can. Coaches are out there with um, splits giving them to you as you go by. Um, but, of course, that can change because you still have racers behind you. When you're skiing with someone else, are you, are you having a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually kind of funny because I wanted to – Olivia and I both, we told each other after, we were like, we wanted to yell at each other to, like, keep going because we had this great conversation um, this summer when we were training in Bozeman about goals. And I told her, I was like, I want to go to NCAAs this year. And so we were climbing this huge hill, the A climb at Middlebury, um, for the last time and all I could think about in my head was that conversation I had with her and I told her that at the finish and she said that she was thinking the same exact thing but we both were so exhausted we didn't want to waste our energy talking to each other <laughs> um so it's just it's just really fun being able to have those moments with your with other people um who I still consider teammates in a way um which you can't really do during a 5k is she going to nationals also? Yes, she is. Okay. Yes. So how cool would that be to go to it's, nationals? It's actually, um, it's going to be pretty fun. I'm Becky asked me um, on Saturday or Sunday who I would like to train with since I'm the only Bates girl going. So um, I'm going to be training with her and another girl on their team, Amy Bianco, that's going. So it's kind of going to be like we're a team, but we're really not. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be fun. I'm really excited. And she's been, this is going to be her third time. So she knows the ropes and she's hopefully going to walk me through. <laughs> so with your season continuing here, what are you going to be doing this week? Just resting up or what? Um, I'm going for a run after this. A okay. um, little run, just a little one. Yeah. I'm going to stretch and roll. And then we're hopefully going to try and find snow somewhere. Um, I believe Corey Road in Waterville where Colby skis. Um, they have a man-made loop still. So um, I'm going to head over there with some teammates who still also want to be skiing. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, and then probably we're going to try and ski two or three days this week and then um, flying on Thursday, Friday afternoon. Well, sounds good. Congrats again on an outstanding weekend. City James, our female Bobcat of the Week. Thank you so much. Junior Andrew Melvin played a critical role in the men's lacrosse team's 2-0 start to the season. On Wednesday, the Bobcats defeated 19th-ranked Endicott 14-10 with Melvin tallying a career-high eight points, scoring three goals and racking up five assists. He added two more goals on Saturday in a 12-8 win over Roger Williams. 
Bates is currently ranked 8th in the nation, and the Bobcats are off to their first 2-0 start since 2010. For his efforts, Andrew Melvin is our male Bobcat of the Week. Going into the game, we, uh, we, we had a week of practice, so we had confidence, but we weren't sure how we would perform. Um, but we're super excited to get out there and play against a team like Endicott, great team. Um, and like a lot of great players, um, and they actually came out. They came out pretty hot to start. Um, we got down. I think it was 3-0, and then 4-1. Um, but we just had to stay composed, and um, we came out hot after that. We went on like a 10-0, 10-0 run, and like we were really feeling it. And we just came together as a team, and one goal led to another, and it was really a big um, moment for us uh, in that game, and. Definitely a great way to start off the season. I know last year, obviously, a breakthrough year making the NCAA tournament for the first time in, in program history. Did that success last year, you think, give you guys a, a ton of confidence going into this game where if you do fall behind, you know you have the talent to come back and win? Yeah, def that was definitely a big part of it. Um, Coach Lasagna has um, kind of drilled it into our, our minds, though, that like last, she last season was last season and we need to move on from that. Um, you know, it was a great uh, – it was a great milestone for uh, the program, but like we're a new team, we got new people, um, so we just like need to make our own uh, like a name for ourselves this year um, and not dwell on the past. Um, but having that confidence from last year definitely helped us out. Um, being down a little bit, like we knew we could like once we get a goal, we can just keep pouring them on. Um, so yeah, it was definitely helpful. Yeah, I know there's always debate in sports about momentum and everything. Does it exist? I mean, do you think it exists in men's lacrosse? It, did, it looked like it did in this game, at least, the run you guys went on. Oh, definitely. Uh, momentum's huge. I mean, you get down to start, but uh, lacrosse is a game of runs. Like, one team's going to make the first punch. The second team has to come back with a punch, and it's all about how each team responds. And then looking at this year's team, what are some similarities you see from last year's, and what are some differences so far, at least through two games? Uh, I mean, we have a lot of uh, starters returning, um, which is great for us. I mean, we're, our depth is um, unbelievable right now. Um, everybody has experience. I mean, we can rely on our second and third um, third lines on offense and defense, and we trust them. Um, so it's definitely helpful to have the experience from last year, um, being a young team. Now we're kind of coming to our role, um, which is great. Now, for you personally, what is your role on the team? What do you see your role as? Um, I guess, well, I play, uh, I'm, uh, I play at the X position, um, and I kind of like to just facilitate and see how things are going on the offense. I mean, we have an unbelievable first line of midfield, and I'm playing with two great attackmen, Jack Allard and Max Bresci. Um, and so, honestly, like, any, any one of us can score at any time, and we don't have to rely on a single person to be the, the initiator. We can all do the same exact thing, so it's great to have them um, be there with me. Off of that 2-0 start, this weekend you're at Wesleyan. You played them twice last year, lost the first time, got your revenge, if you will, in the, in the postseason. So what do you remember about this team? What do they bring to the table? Um, they're definitely – I don't think they lost too many um, players. Um, they're kind of like us. They were young last year, so they're going to be they're going to be gunning for us, especially now that um, we have a, we're ranked, um, which is big for us. But we can't we can't let that get to our minds because they're going to be coming th coming for us, especially because we beat them in the uh, the NESCAC tournament. So they're 
they're probably pissed off a little bit and uh, <laughs> they want revenge on us, but we just got to play uh, level-headed against them. Yeah, I know. Obviously, you don't want to look at rankings, but you are eighth right now um, in the nation. So, I mean, do you feel like there's a target on you from other teams knowing that, wow, Bates, Bates men's lacrosse, look at these guys? Uh, there's definitely a target. I mean, especially with our, our wins over Tufts and Middlebury last year, people are, like, circling their calendars for us this year, and they're, they're not going to take us for granted. And then take us back now. You're a junior, but take us back when you were deciding on colleges. What made you choose Bates? Um... What made me choose Bates is definitely the like the strong academics and the small class size, um, but also the opportunity to play lacrosse here. Um, my dad actually came here back in '82 or something like that, and he played lacrosse, so it's uh, it's in the family. In the family, right? And then I, I guess it's probably exceeded your expectations so far, right? Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, freshman year we uh, we didn't really have a great start um, or a great season for that matter. But uh, after last year, I mean, we got a taste of the NESCAC tournament, and we're just gunning for more. All right, Andrew Melvin, our male Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. It's time to take an in-depth look at the Bates women's lacrosse team. They started the year off on the right foot on Thursday with an 18-9 win over Suwanee. We sat down with head coach Brett Allen to look back on the team's trip to Nashville and to look forward to the rest of the 2016 season. The week was great. Um, the February break sort of always falls early in the season for us, so it's a nice opportunity to be able to teach and put some stuff in offensively and defensively that we want to focus on this year. Um, this year we had um, a whole week on campus before the trip, and I think it made the week in Nashville a lot less hectic. Um, we were able to really spend some time on things that we want to focus on without rushing through everything like we've we've had to do in previous years. Right, because sometimes I know for spring sports especially, this can kind of a rush for the coaching staff because you only really get a week or so with the team before the games start. And so I mean, how do you handle that as a coach traditionally each year? Well, I think the – you know, the challenge is you want your February break to be a good experience for the kids and you want to be able to accomplish a lot from a lacrosse perspective. And when the February 15th start date sort of lines up with the very beginning of break, inevitably you're going to be rushing through because it's the very beginning of the season and you're trying to get a lot of stuff done. But uh, this year it was nice just because we did have five days on campus before we jumped on a plane and headed to Nashville. So it was a little less rushed. Yeah, hey, trip to Nashville. That's, I've been there. It's a fun city. So the team probably had a good time, right? What was that experience like for the, for the players? It was great. Um, you know, not only was I a little less rushed, but I think the team was able to be a bit more relaxed because we could spread out our practices a little bit better um, since we'd already done a lot here on campus. Um, you know, obviously we did some touristy things. We were able to go to the Country Music Hall of Fame and um, – you know, that was nice just to kind of have a little bit of a break to do some things like that. Um, but it was a great trip. I mean, the weather cooperated. We did have some snow on game day, of course, because we're used to that. So we might as well bring it with us when we travel south. But uh, other than that, the weather was great and the trip was, was really productive. And then obviously, um, first game, 18-9 victory. What were some of the big takeaways you had observing your team in competition? Well, it was it was sort of our second test. We were able to have a scrimmage actually at Dickinson um, against Dickinson and Kutztown actually on our way to Nashville. We broke up the travel day and went there. And so that was a great first test for us after five days of practice here. Um, and we, we really played very well on the scrimmage. You know, and that's a situation where you don't have any expectations. So to perform as well as we did on that first day, we were pretty excited. Um, and then, of course, you prepare for the first game, which is only a few days later. And 
we were able to improve on things that we wanted to work on from the scrimmage um, and really played very, very well um, for the first game. I mean, it's hard to have um, a good sense of what to expect when you haven't been tested. So to kind of have a good foundation off the first game is, is pretty key going forward. I know obviously women's lacrosse got to focus on the team concept, but at the same time you have Hannah Jeffrey, one of the best goalkeepers in the country. What makes her so good between the pipes? Well, you know, goaltenders in any sport um, have to have pretty thick skin and uh, pretty short memory. And, uh, and Hannah definitely has both. Uh, obviously, she's very skilled. She's technically sound. She has quick hands, quick feet. Um, she also reads shooters and offenses very well, which is a nice advantage to have. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, we play a pretty high-scoring sport, and so kids are going to get scored on. Uh, there's going to be breakdowns defensively that kind of leave the goalie hung out to dry a little bit. And, uh, and she does a good job of just moving on to the next one and, and doesn't really kind of beat herself up too much and, and get down on the defense, which I think can be a nice, nice perk to have. And a player who stood out this weekend also, or this past week, I should say, Mariah Greenstein, obviously mm -hmm. big expectations for her coming into the year. A bunch of assists, tied a program record. When a player's getting that many assists, what are they really doing out there to, to allow that to happen, basically? Well, Mo has exceptional vision, there's no doubt. She understands sort of where the defense is probably going to go before the defense goes there. And so she understands where to put the ball to give her teammates a chance to catch and shoot. Um, you know, obviously on Thursday, she got the seven assists. And I think it's certainly a credit to her, but I also feel like it's a credit to the rest of the team too because um, she's definitely made passes just as good, if not more passes that were just as good in games in previous years, but there hasn't been the finish on the opposite end. So I think the biggest thing that as a coaching staff we noticed Thursday was that we had more kids that were catching and finishing. Um, well, obviously Mo was the one feeding, but we were finishing a lot more than we have in previous years. Yeah, and it was a balanced attack. A lot of different uh, players scored, and so that must be really nice for you to see. Was that what you were expecting uh, this year, basically, coming into it, is kind of a balanced offense where a bunch of different people can contribute? Well, with Mariah having such a good year last year, I think certainly we understand that teams are going to be prepared for her, and they're going to try and defend her in a, in a certain way so that she's limited. Um, and so we're going to need everybody to step up, attackers that are returning, midfielders. We've got some new players that are first years into the mix. So, you know, we really need all seven players on offense to be contributing, whether it's the person who's making a cut to set somebody else up to get open and catch catch the ball and, and score, or whether it's the player who's driving and, and dishing the assist out. And obviously this is a very experienced team, but you do have some first years who definitely contributed. Who are some first years that we should look out for this season who might uh, have a breakthrough here with the team? It's hard to predict this early. Um, you know, the luxury of having two weeks sort of prepare for our first game is that everybody can get comfortable, whether they're a returner in a new role or a first year. So we've been excited about everyone up to this point. Um, you know, it's I, I'm actually very hesitant to name names because I don't want to put a lot of expectations right. on anyone because you know the one thing with first years is they're a little bit up and down so they could have a great game one day and then the next game you know they maybe struggle a little bit for a, for a variety of reasons so um, do we have a group of first years that we we feel good about absolutely <laughs> um, 
but I think we're we're just as excited about our returners that are in new roles as we are the first years. And different angle on that. What do you tell the first years when, when they arrive? Like the first practice, what do you tell them about what it means to be you know successful here with the Bates Women's Lacrosse Program? We'll lean on the older players. Um, you know, I think it doesn't matter what sport you play at the collegiate level. The first year is a transitional year because you're getting used to new teammates, new coaches. Obviously, they have a lot of stressors as far as their academic expectations, um, you know, away from the field. So since all of our sophomores, juniors and seniors have been through that, we really encourage them to, to lean on them because they've been through the same exact thing that the first years are going to go through this year. 11th season here, right, for you? It is, Okay, yes. so you've seen the NESCAC obviously develop through the years. Uh, from a women's lacrosse perspective, how, how have you seen it develop? How have you seen the program develop in, in relation to it? Because I know the NESCAC is a very strong conference, right? It is. Um, you know, I think, well, obviously the NESCAC has been the strongest um, Division Three conference since I arrived. Overall, there's just been a, a huge increase in the level of play across Division III. Um, a lot of that has to do with the change in sort of the college search slash recruiting landscape. There's a lot more kids who are playing, you know, seven, eight months a year, whether it's clubs or camps or just going to more clinics where they can get better instruction. Um, it's, it's a lot different for a kid who's in high school nowadays than when I first took over here. Um, and then I think, you know, certainly we are – within our conference, a group of schools that's academically very, very, very strong. And um, I think as a result, we attract kids who are very driven and very competitive and they want to do well in every aspect of their life. So academics comes first, but clearly in our case, lacrosse is is the next priority. I know in other sports, when they talk about recruiting, they talk about how there's this certain subset of kids who want to go NESCAC and they look at all the NESCAC schools. But at the same time, there's a goal here to also find kids outside of that perspective who maybe aren't as familiar. What is the women's lacrosse program's take on that? Are you looking for mainly kids who want to go NESCAC or are you looking for, for maybe more outside the box sometimes? It's a combination. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you we would be doing our program a disservice if we didn't communicate with kids and have conversations with kids that are only looking at NESCAC schools and have been sort of looking at NESCAC schools since they started considering college. Um, at the same time, you know, we don't want to have to cross recruit with everybody in every school every single year. So it's nice to find kids that are maybe from areas that aren't as traditional, um, you know, who, who might not know as much about Bates and other schools, but when they get here and they visit and they kind of see what the school's all about, they like it just as much or more than any other school they've thought about, NESCAC or otherwise. Right. Now, looking at the program, obviously, you know, most years you guys are right around that 500 mark, one game over, one game under right there. So what do you think it will take in, to, to kind of break through that? Or is there is there a particular challenge because of all the top-tier teams in the conference? Yeah, it's um, it's hard to say I have an exact answer because I think if I had the answer, we'd have figured it out <laughs> right. before this year. But I'll say that I really think doing well in this conference in any sport comes down to two things. It's the teams that handle adversity a little bit better than others because all the games within the conference are typically so close and so competitive. So when you're in that pressure situation late in the second half, which team is going to handle that that adversity or that challenge a little bit better? Um, and then ultimately it comes down to, to executing. I mean we've lost some games we probably could have won if we finished a little bit better in previous years or if we got a, a key defensive stop or want to draw at a, a critical juncture. Um, you know, those are things that we do well when there's not a lot of pressure on. We got to do them a little bit better when there is some pressure and it's, you know, the, the clock's ticking down in the second half. 
Well, game at Wellesley tomorrow, right? And then home opener this weekend. So what can you tell the campus about the home opener coming up? Well, we're obviously excited to get on the road and test ourselves again against Wellesley. Um, you know, I think midweek games present a challenge for all of our teams because it's a little bit different than the Saturday routine where you wake up, go to breakfast, and kind of get ready to play. Um, you know, kids are kind of in their normal school routine. So getting them focused for Wellesley is going to be a pretty important thing for us in the next 24, 36 hours. Um, and then obviously, you know, looking ahead to Wesleyan, it's first NESCAT game of the year, it's at home. Um, you know, it's hard to say how they're going to compare to previous years. Um, it's hard to say how we're going to compare to previous years, but we have to be ready because they've got a new coach and there's going to be some new enthusiasm that comes with that and excitement around their program. So we got to be ready to to show up and play our best. All right, Coach, thanks so much. Looking forward to a fun women's lacrosse season. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. The women's lacrosse team's home opener is set for this Saturday at noon as they take on Wesleyan. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll tell you if Ahmed Abdelkhalik is successful in defending his men's squash national title at individual nationals this weekend in Stamford, Connecticut. We'll take a look back at the home openers for men's and women's tennis as well as women's lacrosse. We'll also check in on the 8th-ranked men's lacrosse team as they hit the road again to take on Wesleyan this Saturday and the University of New England this Sunday. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. <laughs>